Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're doing an Ask Me Anything listener question episode.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. All right, I'm working my way through a lot of your Ask Me Anything listener questions, and some of the questions are just super, super awesome. And uh, I promise you that I will get to everybody's questions, um, hopefully before the end of the year. Uh, A lot of the questions are great questions that have kind of spurred on podcast episodes themselves. And so I'm doing a lot of those with either myself or other experts that I bring on. So if I don't address your question exactly in one of these listener question episodes. I promise you it will be addressed in a a future episode. So before we get into uh, a lot of the listener questions, I just wanted to do a little clarification around student loan forgiveness. So on the last podcast, uh, I talked about the student loan forgiveness and the tax consequences that a lot of people aren't thinking about. And I just want to do a little clarification on this. So I talked to a lot of different tax professionals before I did that podcast, and I've heard both sides of the coin. Yes, there will be tax consequences. No, there won't be tax consequences. And so I got a little frustrated myself because there's a lot of information out there that is super confusing and confusing to me even. So I would imagine that it would probably be a little confusing to you if you're, you know, trying to figure this out. So I went and talked to uh, some more experts who are really dialed in experts about student loan forgiveness. And, you know, I wanted to report back what I heard from them. So the 10-year public service loan forgiveness, the public service, so you have to be working in the public service, is currently not taxable under the IRS tax code 108F, just in case you wanted to look that up. And it's... It, is restricted to borrowers who work in specific public service occupations. But the 25-year forgiveness, the normal student loan forgiveness that most of us fall under uh, the umbrella of, that will represent taxable income to borrowers under current law. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes uh, directly where that is, where the uh, federal financial aid expert pointed me to. So I just wanted to put a little clarification around that. But what I am hearing from a lot of people is is the asterisk mark under current tax law. And so, you know, that that leads me to believe that that this could change. However, if you are already, you know, working your way through those 10 years of, of payments, under the public student loan forgiveness program, it's likely that you'll be grandfathered in. So, you know, any new current law that would come out hopefully wouldn't apply to you. But what the uh, student loan expert was telling me was that they always caution everybody to te- uh, check with their own independent accountant prior to filing their taxes, which again is, you know, what I wanted to to state on that podcast was, look, tax laws change all the time. And a lot of times what happens is people can think that they're in the public student loan forgiveness program, right? Maybe you're an elementary teacher or you're in some other public service job, but you haven't structured your payments so that you can qualify for the student loan forgiveness. So you're going through, you're going through those 10 years of payment 
thinking that at the end of that rainbow, you're going to get student loan forgiveness and, you know, something might have gone amiss and then you're left with just paying the rest of your student loans or starting that time clock over again, uh, which is just never a good thing. That's happened to a couple people, you know, a couple years into their, their public student loan forgiveness. So, for those of us who do not work in a public sector sector job and we're thinking we're going to get the normal, you know, forgiveness, the normal student loan forgiveness, we are the ones where there will potentially be uh, taxable income. There is under current law that could certainly change, but um, you know, it's just it's just something that we need to be aware of. There is an awesome calculator on Student Loan Hero. It's their public service loan forgiveness calculator. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So um, it, it's, it's a calculator that you can fill out. And if you're eligible, it'll tell you how much forgiveness you can expect to receive from a public student loan forgiveness. So again, if, if you're in public student loan forgiveness, you must be employed full-time in an eligible job that is non-profit and government jobs generally qualify. So I'm reading this straight from Student Loan Heroes website. And again, I'm going to put the link. Make payments towards a loan or loans in the direct loan program and make 120 qualifying payments after October 1st, 2007. So that's the when the time clock started ticking was after loans that were paid after October 1st, 2007. And that 120 qualifying payments is that 10 years that, um, that I talked about. So the important thing to, to pay attention to is what area of student loan forgiveness are you in? Are you indeed in the public student loan forgiveness program? Or are you just, you know, one of the kind of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are are trying to uh, have their student loan forgiven and we're just the general public, those of us will potentially have tax consequences for any amount of student loan that is forgiven. Again, it's super important if you're, um, if you're hoping that that's going to happen for you, that you talk to an, an accountant and you, and you find out, you know, if, if, if that is you, what are those tax consequences going to look like and how you should be best prepared for that? So hopefully that has cleared up any confusion. I apologize if that was a little bit misleading or if um, those of you who are in the public student loan forgiveness program freaked out a little bit about that. Um, I, again, apologize that wasn't a little bit more clear to you. But again, even if you're in the public student loan forgiveness program, you really want to make sure that you dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure that you're you're making those payments that they're qualifying payments and that you you're staying eligible for that uh, student loan forgiveness because that's a big deal you know and I I think that I really think this should be an element of 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 everybody you know that that nobody should have tax consequences um, but certainly you know the people that are working in the public sector you're doing a lot for the rest of us so you know I'm all on board of you of you receiving this benefit and I want to make sure that you're positioned properly so that you do receive this benefit and you're able to you know maximize this for yourself for your families because it can it can represent a large sum of money, I think, for for a lot of people, you know, uh, getting 
tens of thousands of dollars potentially of student loans, you know, wiped away, that can help you in your pursuit of achieving other financial goals of buying a house, of starting a family, of starting a business or retiring early, you know, whatever those goals are for you, right? Okay, question number two. I I think this was a really interesting one. So, She says that Robert Kiyosaki said at an event that until 2018, we'll have the major financial crisis, and the only way to be protected is to buy gold, silver, and real estate. What do you think about it? People really have to be that scared to start buying real estate. This is a... This is an interesting question, and we're going to have a podcast coming up next week where I talk to two different millennials who are uh, rightfully so experts in these different areas about alternative investments. You know, we've, we've got Bitcoin, we've got you know the the, the gold, the silver, we've got um, all of these different uh, currencies and investment opportunities that we're starting to hear a lot of talk about a lot of talk on social media, um, about these being, you know, uh, potentially great investments. And I, I think the important thing to keep in mind when you hear anything about this is that really these things are, uh, individual decisions and, uh, you know, gold and several certainly have been a fairly good hedge over the last few years against the stock market. Will they stay that way? I don't know. You know, um, real estate is certainly potentially a great hedge against the, um, the stock market. But again, real estate is so location dependent, right? There are certain areas around the world, around the, you know, certainly the United States where you can expect a higher gain for investing in real estate than other p- potential areas. But again, that's, it's so volatile, right? There's so many different things that are dependent on real estate staying and being a good investment and real estate's not liquid. So, you know, if you owned a house today, you may or may not be able to wake up tomorrow and and sell it. You could probably sell it, but can you get the price that you want? That's the million dollar question, you know? And Certainly when we buy real estate, you know, our goal is to sell it at a profit. Nobody wants to sell it at a loss. Uh, but there are so many different factors, you know, and if, if we had a crystal ball and we could look in the crystal ball, it would be make it very easy for us to say, um, you know, you should do this or you should do that. But, um, you know, we don't. And so there's, there's a lot of talk, especially about the market being overvalued. And, you know, it's certainly at all time highs. And it, it's got a lot of people very nervous, very nervous about the political climate going on. And how is the market going to react, you know, in, in comparison to the political climate? And, you know, should we move money into these, you know, kind of alternative investments? Or do we stay the course where we're at? And, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be really interesting to talk to these two experts next week about the alternative investments and kind of their take on what they're seeing out there and being the millennials themselves, you know, how they look at, you know, are these things overvalued or are they smart places to put money? But again, I think with, with any decision like this, with any investment decision, it is such an individual decision because it's up to you to decide how much risk you're willing to take on, right? So when we talk about investing, it's risk versus uh, reward or return, however, whatever word you want to use in that place. And so some people are just inherently less risky. You know, they just, they don't want to take certain risks. And then other people, 
you know, look at a stock market uh, kind of rocking and rolling like it is now and think, ooh, maybe we should diversify. Maybe we should put money in, in different buckets, different financial buckets. And so, you know, that's a, it's important individual decision. Uh, but you know, you're always going to hear people talking about, you know, running to gold, silver, and real estate. Those are, those are kind of core alternative investments that, that people really, um, tend to have on their tip of their tongue, you know, and, and with real estate, I can tell you from, from personal experience, uh, it really is fickle, you know, um, you could get really lucky with real estate. You could get really lucky with investment real estate. You could sell it for a nice profit, a nice gain. Um, or you could just, you know, live in it for the rest of your life and, and have a, a separate asset or you could not, I mean, you could time the market wrong. You could get a, get a location wrong. You know, um, there's so many different things that happen with real estate. So I think, you know, especially real estate, that's a pretty big decision. Um, and it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly for sure. Okay, friend, I want to know what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all in one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, so next question. I was reviewing my monthly bills and my car payment got me thinking, was it worth paying off a depreciating asset early? My car should be paid off in April 2020. Currently have no other debt. That's awesome. Um, I have about $12,000 left over. I'm welcome to your thoughts on this topic uh, as I'm already thinking about a new savings account for my next car. Cars are, there's so many uh, ways to think about cars, right? So many of us live in places where we absolutely have to have a car. And, um, you know, we've had different experts on this podcast and, and certainly I say this and probably a lot of people know this, you know, buying a new car, the minute you drive it off the lot, you start losing value. You know, if you were to drive it back on the lot, you might not be able to get the same price that you paid for that car just even a few hours ago. Right. So it's definitely a depreciating asset. And, a lot of times what happens is we get to the end of our five years or four years or six years or however long we're paying out of our car and we go to trade it in and they're like, oh, we'll give you 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. And we're like, wait a minute. We just spent, you know, five or six years or however long paying off this car. Uh, you know, we paid X amount of dollars and now this car is not worth anything really essentially. And so that's kind of the cycle that, that you get in. And, you know, a lot of people get excited about leasing a car because, you know, you can sometimes put down less money when you're leasing a car, but then you're just, you're renting the car. So again, that's totally, um, an, an individual decision over what works best with your own personal finances. But, you know, if your interest rate is low on a car and I'm talking low as in, you know, under 6%, well under 6%, you know, it might be worth, sticking with that loan that you have, but using the cash that you have to, to grow your wealth. So whether that is investing it, whether it's in your 401k or an IRA or a Roth, maybe that's investing it in some other risk prote uh, protection that you currently have exposure to, but you know, using that money to propel you forward financially versus maybe taking that cash and kind of throwing it on that 
that car loan and paying it off early, certainly there's merit to getting that car loan paid off. Certainly there's merit to not having that car payment. Um, I'm absolutely not going to argue about that. And, you know, this listener is already uh, debt free. So that's, you know, a really great place to be at. But I think when you're thinking about, you know, should I pay something off or should I keep the loan? You're really looking at the interest rate. Is the interest rate at a historic low. You know, is it is it low enough that I can take the cash I have and leverage that money somewhere else and maybe I can propel again myself forward while I'm still paying off this loan and you know, is my loan payment reasonable for my cash flow? You know, can I make that 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 payment? Um so those are just a few things that I think you want to think about when you're looking at you know, should I pay something off early or should I take the cash I got and do something else with it? Again, it's going to be a completely individual decision. These are just things to think about. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking at that payment, you're like, I can't stand making that payment every month. Well, that may override, you know, traditional personal finance logic when, uh, when you're thinking about it. So, Again, we kind of got to do a little self-reflection, a little thinking about, you know, our our money mindset around this. Um, You know, one other question I would ask is, you know, where are you on your emergency fund? You know, are you in good shape on your emergency fund? Do you have some cash saved in case something comes up? If the answer is no, then I would uh, definitely suggest thinking about putting any extra cash there just to uh, have a little extra, you know, kind of safety, safety net, safety rope for you in case something, something comes up. All right. Our last question is kind of along these lines. So this listener has gotten in a position where they're, they're positioned pretty good with their finances and they have extra cash every month. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what are some ways that they can allocate this extra cash? This is a great question, and I recently wrote an article for Acorns about this. So I just want to kind of talk over some of my thinking, some of my um, rationale for for extra cash, and obviously, kind of going piggybacking on that that last question is how healthy is your emergency fund? So you're aiming for somewhere again between three to six months worth of your expenses in a high interest or an interest bearing savings account, something like Ally Bank or Goldman Sachs savings, some type of account where you're earning interest, but that money is still liquid. So not, not a CD, but someplace where you could access that cash if you absolutely needed to. And, you know, your emergency fund is going to be something that kind of comes and goes, right? So you're going to be able to like save up quite a bit of money and then maybe you're going to end up tapping into that money if something comes up car breaks down there's some sort of you know unplanned emergency but the point is, is that you've got the cash there and you can access it so you don't have to turn to credit cards or any other you know form of debt i think next you would look at you know your contributions so what is your 401k contribution percentage look like are you putting enough in there to match your in, employer's matching levels. Um, this is, this is, I think, you know, something that a, a lot of times is, is overlooked, but if your employer is offering you a 3% or 5% or 6% or whatever that number is match, that is a super incentive for you to save the equivalent amount so that you can take 
uh, advantage of that match. And essentially what you're doing is you're more or less doubling your contribution. So, you know, it's a great place for you to start socking away some money that's going to be going in the right direction. If you're already doing that, you know, you could look at a, a, a setting up a Roth IRA or a regular traditional IRA just to get a little extra money going in the right direction. You can, you can certainly do that. Now, if you have a 401k and you're already getting the tax deduction for that and you set up a traditional IRA, you're not going to get the tax deduction for whatever goes into the IRA, right? Because you're already getting it for your 401k. And the IRS doesn't really like when we when we double dip, right? So um, we kind of have to pick or choose there. But again, if you're getting the match through your 401k, that's definitely a good place to start. And then after that, you know, you're looking at, do you have any debt? You know, is there lingering credit card debt, student loan, auto debt? Um, you know, any other place where the interest rate, again, is is at a place where you, it starts to make you kind of scratch your head and go, you know what, is it smarter for me to just allocate extra cash t- to paying this off? Um, you know, in one of the strategies that I talk about a lot, because a lot of us have debt that we're just trying to get rid of. So you really want to make sure you have a payoff strategy in place, right? That, that there is a plan. Just like I use example, you know, we wouldn't get in the car like driving from LA to New York without GPS or a map or like having some system to know where we're going. And the same thing applies to your debt. Otherwise, you're just kind of like throwing money here and there. And if you've done this, I've certainly done this in my past. You know that nothing really happens, right? You're like, why is my debt not going away? And it's because there's not like a, a tax strategy. So you know, there's a couple of ways that you can you can think about this. One is attacking the debt with the highest interest rate first and putting all the money you can every month on that particular debt and paying the minimums on your other debts. So once that debt's paid off, then you roll that payment onto the next highest interest rate. You can also do this strategy with your tacking the lowest balance first. So you're finding out which debt has the lowest balance. Again, throw in as much cash as you can onto it each month. And then once that debt's paid off, rolling it to the next lowest balance debt. So that's kind of a good strategy for you to think about, uh, you know, attacking your debt. And, you know, then it's just what other goals are are left? You know, what are we saving for? Is it uh, travel? Is it buying our house? Is it, you know, starting the next business to rival Facebook? You know, what are those other goals that we want to save for? And I'm a huge fan of opening multiple savings accounts. Nobody says you have to have just one. And title them different things. Title them what your goals are. So it gives you a little extra motivation to start saving towards those things every single month. All right, so those were just uh, a few questions. Again, like I said, I'm trying to get through all your questions, so please keep sending them. I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, where you can uh, write in and submit your own questions. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor. Please share it with your friends, shout it out, and head on over to the link in the show notes and leave us a review. 